Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative types about how they do their thing and then how they hang in there and keep it going, making it happen. Today my guest is Matthew Lynn. He's the creator of the new TV series, The Third, which is on the streaming platform Deku. And it's about a three-way gay relationship. So um, I got to watch all six episodes. It's really provocative and interesting and well done. And I was really excited to talk to Matthew about it. Before we get to that, I want to encourage you to check out DennisAnyone.net. There you will see photos that go with some of the podcasts. All the podcasts are there archived. I've also incorporated my main website into that so you can learn about my books and watch some of the short films I've worked on, different things like that. That's all at DennisAnyone.net. You can also donate to my virtual tip jar. Uh, help me cover the expenses that come with doing the podcast. Um, and I guess that's enough plugs. Here is Matthew Lynn, and the show again is called The Third. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the L.A. home of our guest today, Matthew Lynn. He's the writer and creator of the new show, The Third, which is on Deku. It's a new, it's a platform where shows are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a three-way relationship that's set in yeah. Palm Springs. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. All right, so what was the very beginning, the germ of, of starting to write this project? Oh, Lord. As they say, life imitates art. I was, right. uh, when I came out, I used to be very Christian conservative world, and when I right. when I came out, my family said leave and never come back. And at that time, a a gay couple took me in and kind of became my surrogate family in a way. Right. And we entered into a, a triad relationship, a thruple, a three way relationship, and um, it was in that relationship that I I learned that there, there's a lot of different ways that love can approach, and there's a lot of different ways to approach love. And um, that relationship went on for a couple of years, but eventually I moved away. I went to, went to film school so I can now do what I do. Right. And um, we we're my business partner and I were working on the idea of like, that would make a really great show. Like nothing's ever been done like that before. Right. And so we were working on the script and I ended up entering another triad relationship. So you've been in two, You yes. Yes, I have been in two triad relationships. Are you still in the second one? I am not. You're not. I am not. But um, as we were writing the season... I was in one, so there were, I'm not saying art imitates life, imitates art, but there were times where we'd have a fight and I'd like run over and I'm like, okay, try to remember what we said right, right, and right. write it down. <laughs> exactly. You're taking notes. But I'll definitely say the show is inspired by real life. Let's put yeah. it that way. Where were you growing up or, or when you came out to your family? Where were you living? Chattanooga, Tennessee. Wow. All right. And then they, they kicked you out and said, never come back. Yeah, but it's... It, I How will, are things now? I will, well, I'll clarify that it, it, we're in a much better place. Uh, two years later... My dad and mom have come full circle to the point where they said, uh, they stood up in front of a crowd of 200 gay men and said, I was a bigot and did the worst thing I could ever do to my son, and I can never take it back. And they're my biggest supporters now. They're super great. I'm going to see them in a couple weeks. Um, so, yeah, it's, they've come full circle. And it's it's through that process that I realized that uh, one-on-one connection and relationships with people allow you to yeah. gain empathy into an understanding of who people are. And so um, that's... Partially why I wanted to make the show, too, is because, like, by creating something that people can identify with, that they can relate to, then you can you, you can start having a deeper conversation. Once people realize that it's it's actually something and they understand it, right. there's a lot deeper ability to communicate. And that all came from my relationship with my parents. Nice. Now, there's a scene in the piece where the sort of third character, the, the third guy, or the, mm-hmm. the guy that gets brought into the other relationship, 
calls his father on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the father, I think, was a pastor or was a religious person. Is mm-hmm. a lot of that based on your own experience? Yes, absolutely. I feel like I'm I'm a very lucky gay person in that a lot of people don't have a good relationship with their parents. Right. Um, and I'm very lucky in that I do have a good relationship with my parents. And I wanted to showcase in a in a gay piece that you know, as I was telling one of the actors when we were shooting the scene where he kind of comes out to his parents again. Um, he has he comes out as being in a in a, in a triad. Yeah, exactly. And I I kind of wanted to. I told the actor, I took him to the side, and was like, look, look, this is a story that so many gay men have experienced, and it didn't go well. Right. And here's an opportunity to showcase for them something that, that was positive. And, I, and in that relationship, I want to showcase that you can have a relationship with somebody that you don't agree with on some things. That doesn't mean you can't communicate, you can't love somebody. Right. And so I want to showcase that. Yeah, it was a nice scene. It was a nice kind of uh, insight into where that, that character comes from. Um, you said your your parents stood up in front of 200 gay men and 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 talked about this. Where was that? Um, so we were we were fundraising for a feature that didn't end up happening. Right. And uh, I had built up a community of uh, gay people in uh, Orlando. Right. We had a big event to fundraise for the movie, and um, my dad at that point stood up in front of a crowd and basically said, like, because I made a movie. So there's a little backstory. Sure. I, I used to be a Southern Baptist music minister. Nice. That didn't work out too well. Okay. Uh, they don't like gay people. So, because um, you know, you would have crushed that. You could have crushed that musically. A, you would I have was crushed a great that music minister. You would have been the ma- the most amazing. Oh, I was fabulous. All the girls would have loved you. The boys would have loved you. Everyone would have loved you. It was a little awkward. Oh my like, god, I'm I get sorry. so nervous in front of Mr. <laughs> Lin. Okay, did you see the shirt that Mr. Lin is wearing? Like that would have been like that thing. Um, so it didn't work out that way. No, it didn't work out. And, um, but I made a, I actually got fired from my job for being gay. And so I made a short film about that, that, that meeting. It was called The Meeting. Um, and it was like you walk into this office and they, you know, we have that awkward conversation where they ask you if you're gay. And, you know, I had, for the first time in my life, I kind of stood up for myself and said, yeah, I am gay. And I lost my job. And so we were making a feature kind of about the bigger story. Right. Uh, which never happened, but we were having a fundraising event. So my dad sure. spoke at it. Wow, you've been through big gay things. You know, some people skirt around the edges of it, or maybe there's a sister that's not that nice. But you've been through the, like, it seems like you've gotten fired from a job for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you got you disowned from your family for a while. Mm-hmm. For it. Like, big, big stuff. Yeah, but I, I think, I think yeah, everybody has a story to tell. And I, I think in the grand scheme of things, it's helped make me who I am. Right. Um, but I, I don't want to go out and say like I have been through big things because I know there's some people that have been through a whole lot worse than what I have but yeah I would say if you're like checking the boxes of like the stereotypical things that gay men can go through I've gone through quite a few of them well I also think big scenes big you know somebody sitting you down and saying you're fired like like those moments that you can make a film about Mm -hmm. like you've had a lot of material you've had a lot you've had your share of those things yeah I've I've always (laughs) uh just pursued what feels right to me um like and so like if it was coming out being gay like i was sitting at seminary i remember looking in the mirror and was just like do i believe what this book says or do i believe how i feel and i made an entire life change based on my feelings um and And what were the first steps of that the first steps i i was at seminary i was engaged studying to be a priest uh, correct getting a master's in music and church music okay and um and i was going to gay straight therapy electroconvulsive therapy all that kind of stuff trying to trying to make myself straight because i had to be i had to marry a woman i had to fill in this life and be this person what was the religion uh southern baptist southern baptist and uh and finally i just got to the point where i was like no i this is not who i am like this is this is not reality and it was just one small step after another i quit seminary i moved home 
came out, you know, one small step, and then that led me to here. It's kind of funny. We'll but there was that see. moment of, like, I can go this way or this way. It's interesting what we know inside ourselves to be true, and then we're trying to fight it, we're trying to fit it into outside sort of parameters. Absolutely. Um, wow. So you said you had the electro therapy mm -hmm. how does that work yeah so basically there's there's lots of different ways to do it and the way i did it was with a, a, a private practice guy like in his room and right. so you sit there and they like put a, a thing on your hand that shocks you and they show you images and then you know if you start to get aroused then they shock you and uh <laughs> trying to get you to not feel that or associate a negative feeling it didn't work it's traumatizing though right or oh, it's yeah. surreal what is it like to have those treatments um, are you thinking, at, I hope this works at the, t yeah, I mean, and then, but in the back of your head, you're going, it's not working. It's, not it's working. a lot of self-hatred. I mean, you're desperately wow. wanting to be something that society says you have to be. Yeah. And then you finally have to come to the understanding that that's not what I have to be. I, I am something different and that's okay. Yeah. And that's been a very long journey. Yeah. But then within that, you accept your sexuality, you come out, you start to date, and then you have something else that people are possibly going to have a judgment about, mm -hmm. being in a, in a three-way relationship. Mm -hmm. What was it like telling people or sharing it with people? Well, it was it was interesting because the first relationship I was in, it was with a couple, and they, they kind of wanted to have their cake and eat it too, so there would be times where they didn't feel... Like, everybody knew that's what we were doing. I, right. I lived with them. Um, but they, they didn't really feel comfortable telling people in public, right. but all of our friends knew and everything else. Um, and so it was this kind of weird in-between place, which, right. which speaks to a lot of things in my life. But um, the second time, it was very much adamant, like, blowing the doors off, you know, right. a couple weeks in, we are a thruple, we're a triad, like, this is our thing. This is happening. Doing, yeah. And that was, that, was, that was an interesting experience because I felt like um, once you get over the initial shock of it, yeah. and like, oh, wow, this is something different that people don't do all the time. Right. It's just like anything else. Right. You know, and in fact, it can be nice because, you know, it's the house gets a lot cleaner when there's three people. Right. Well, I was I was going, they take a lot of showers together. I think they're saving money on water. You First of all, I think water. it's very green to be mm -hmm. in a thruple. Um, <laughs> what surprised you about people's reactions? Are there people that were cool with it that surprised you or that weren't cool with it? Most people just don't care. Yeah, they're they they're intrigued for a moment. They're like, "Oh, that's interesting." Yeah, and they, of course they you want get, to know how it works. Exactly, but they, I don't think they have a judgment around it necessarily. And most people think it's about sex. When actually, I mean, yeah, like any relationship, sex is a part of it, but it's right. not the thing. Right, right. I mean, it's about companionship and it's about making something work. I was working in L.A. a lot. I was back and forth, and they had each other full time. So back and forth to Palm Springs. Yeah, yeah. And so it worked out really well for us. Yeah, I I, I feel like. Much like diets, I feel like thruples are becoming a, a thing. Yeah, try it. You, you, got, you know. It's becoming like the cool thing to try and right. do polyamory and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's like um, keto. It's the new keto. Exactly. It's the new keto. Right. Um, but it's it's interesting to, uh, when you do the research and you like look into people who have done this and didn't necessarily know what it was and they just made it happen, there's a lot of people who have been in very long-term polyamorous relationships um, or thruples or whatever and are very happy. Um, I know a lot of people try it and it, it takes a very specific type of personalities to make it work. Um, but if you can make it work, it, there's a lot of perks to it. Yeah. What are the perks? Uh, like I said, one, the house gets a lot cleaner. Right. Uh, two, everywhere you go, you immediately feel like it's a tribe. It's not just you and me or, you know, a re regular relationship or you're gone. So I'm here by myself. It's, there's a group, right? And the group think, um, in general can accomplish more, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. 
arguments and stuff are difficult. And there's a lot of, as humans, there's a lot of inbuilt stuff from our society about trust and um, fears and anxieties about um, uh, couples cheating on each other and stuff that you have to work through in, a, in any kind of triad relationship. Um, but, but if you can work through that and you understand that everybody has everybody's best interest at heart, it can be extremely uplifting because if you're in a regular dyad relationship, like there's, excuse me, there's, there's times where like, I can't be for you what you need me to be. Cause I've got my own stuff. Right. But in a three way, it's but like, Kenny's good. He's yeah. Up, he's up for it. He's not busy right now. He's, you know, right. he's watching TV. If you right. want to go cuddle with him, that's exactly. Great. I gotta do some work. You know? Yeah. So in some ways, it could be really nice. I mean, going out to eat is more expensive. Nobody ever buys you dinner. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, what are the things that you would think about? Like the little things, the little considerations. Hmm. It's been a while. Let me... Uh... I mean, going to an amusement park. There's two in the one car. And yes, then exactly. Who's going to be in the second row? Who sits in the front seat of the car. Right. Um, who takes a shower first is sort of an important one. Hot oh, water. Who's sleeping in the middle of a bed. Right. Because that's always a pain in the butt. To be the middle person. Mm-hmm. Because the sheets you... are up. So you have to like crawl out of the sheets and then over the top of the bed without waking anybody up. Right. You have to... So you can't... Right. Exactly. If you need to go to the restroom in the middle of the night, you either have to make that getaway you described or it's, wake somebody up. It's an event. Yeah. <laughs> does it feel like there's... In your experience, does it feel like... In the, in the relationship you depict in the series... They were a couple already, and the, the, the other character comes into it. Mm-hmm. So I guess sometimes it could feel like that that's the common dynamic, or sometimes is it three people that just sort of come together and there's a more of an equality there? I feel like in general that's more the dynamic. Usually you have a, a dyad that already exists, right. and then they want to bring in a third. Right. Um, I feel like in some ways that can be healthy, in some ways it cannot. It's the same way as a couple's like, let's have a baby. That'll fix right. our marriage. This is going to fix everything. And it doesn't. It's absolutely not. It's going to bring out every single issue that you have and bring it right to the forefront. Right. Um, but if you're in a healthy relationship and then you bring in a third person, it can be really beautiful as long as everybody figures out how it works for them and it works for the you know the different personalities involved. Yeah. Jealousy, I think, would be a huge. big thing. Because I'm... I'm not a particularly jealous person, but maybe I'd be in that situation and, and things would change. But how do you manage jealousy? And how do, do you need a certain type of person that's not too, uh, doesn't have too jealous of a nature, I guess? I feel I've been in long-term relationships and there comes a point, I feel, in any, any long-term relationship where you know that that person's not going to leave you. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you kind of need to work from that base right. to make it work. Um, because yeah, I, the, the best way to summarize the struggles in a triad are you individual have to trust that the other two people, when they're together alone, have your best interest at heart. Right. And that's tough to do as a human because you've automatically by not being there, feel like you're ostracized. You're out. Yeah. You feel like they're like, Oh, I can't, I thought he'd never leave. Yeah. Yeah. And they're somehow scheming to they're run away with together each other. or they're, they're, or it's better when they're, it's just them or the sex is hotter or whatever or any of that stuff is. Yep. And it becomes very difficult. In fact, in a, in a triad relationship, there's four relationships. You have each individual one-on-one relationship and then the group as a whole. That's and a all of them have to be maintained. Yeah. So it's a lot more work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of mental energy. Yeah. Until you can find somebody or people that you fit into a flow with. Yeah. Like in some ways, is like I'm a very career-focused person. Right. Relationships can be difficult because like my, my hobbies and my career are my career. Right. There's a lot of passion and love in that. And so, like, being in a relationship, sometimes it's difficult to be able to 100% give that whole other side of what a relationship right. is. 
And in, in like a triad relationship, it can work really well because there's somebody else there who can else also provide that in the relationship. Right. If you're distracted with work and busy or shooting or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm gone for three weeks, but you right. guys are here together. So right. that works really well. How long did your relationships last, the triads? Uh, first one was roughly two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second one was nine months. And then, yeah. it was, and then it was over. Did you tell them that you're working on this piece or do they know you're writing about it? Do they know? What do they think of it? Um, they do. I made sure they read the scripts yeah. before we shot them and they were okay with them. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, they think it's pretty cool that they got to be, it's, they think it's pretty cool that they got to be in something that's on TV that, you know, is about what they went through. But I wouldn't say they could, they could watch it and probably wink at a few things. Yeah. But they wouldn't be like, oh, the, everybody knows this happened to us and now it's happening. Right. Um, so in that respect, I mean, both of them were in the pilot. So yeah. Where were they? They pop up? Uh, one of them is in the shower scene. And okay. then uh, the other one is a party guest. Nice. But he also comes in later in the season. There you go. So. Nice. That's nice. <laughs> um, in In the show, I felt like, they seem to have a rule that they didn't have sex unless it was all three of them. Is that right? Or th- there was one scene where they were like, we have to wait for David to get home. Um, I, was it about sex? or th- th- It felt like they were tempted to do something without him. Okay. And they were fighting it. Well, I Did think, I read that th- wrong? No. I, okay. I, think, I think it's left up to interpretation a little right. bit. But I think the whole kind of guide of that episode is to talk about what we just did which is the jealousy the FOMO like fear of missing out yeah all that kind of stuff that plays into it to where yeah maybe they were waiting for David to get home but you know why can't we just have fun together and right and they were they mm -hmm. wanted to but they were trying to wait they wanted to but they were trying to wait Mm -hmm. yeah so I feel like yeah that's again that's one of the things you deal with where you know some people are gonna have more sex than other people in a triad relationship Right. It is what it is. Like, you can't give everybody... It's not like you can't dole out equal portions of the pie constantly. Right. Like, it's exhausting. Does it... And it feels like there has to be an attraction there among all three for everybody. But does it does it need to feel equal? In other words, you think I'm just as hot as you think John is over here. In other words, you know what I mean? To, That's I, something we dealt with a lot. And yeah. um, I, in the triad relationship, actually found both of them... Attractive, which right. really helps. Right. <laughs> um, but there's, there's no right way to do it. I think right. the reason we have so many words, thruple, three-way, triad, you know, whatever you want to call it, is because it all comes out of these different cultures and different concepts of, like, what a relationship is. Um, there's triads that have a V, there's a V-shaped triad. In yeah. fact, we talk about this in one of the episodes of, like, where one person is sleeping with two people, but they don't sleep with each other. Right. And then there's, you know, equilateral triangles or triads where it's, like, everybody sleeps with everybody. Right. We were in a uh, polyfidelia, uh, I can't remember the name anymore, but it basically meant we slept with each other, but we don't sleep with anybody else. Right. So you were monogamous within your triad. Yes. We were trinogamous. Trinogamous. <laughs> Did you ever get any surprising pushback from people like, I can't believe you can do that? Did you ever feel judged? I think people, not so much judged, but people will make an assumption that it's all about sex. And right. so um, people feel it's appropriate to be, you know, inappropriate uh, yeah. and in, in, inject themselves into it sexually. Um, but for the most part... Oh, in other words, if they're into three-way, they're, they're going to be four, then why not four? Yeah, exactly. So right. everybody's wanting to get a piece of the pie in a way. Right. Um, <laughs> but wow. I would say in general, right. most people are curious, like a, a wild animal, they kind of look over like, oh, what are they? Oh, they're doing right. They're doing that. Okay. And they move on. They don't really yeah. care. Once they realize that you're not crazy and it's not all about sex and you're still humans, like right. most of the relationships are fine in what have you seen? Have you you said you've seen long term people that have, mm-hmm. that have kept this going for years and years? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I knew um, there was one couple I met that had been together for twenty eight years. 
a as a triad. As a triad. As a triad. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then uh, other, I, I, some of my best friends, they, uh, after being in a, a triad, they realized how much that's what they needed in their relationship. They've right. been together for like 20 years. Right. Uh, very happy. But they, they literally were like, we want to love somebody else. And they brought in this person and now they're a triad and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And they figured out how to make it work for them. And yeah. they've been together for three years now. Now, were either of your triads legally married to each other? Both were. Both were. So they were already married. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then you were the, the third. Yes. Yeah. I guess it doesn't... Does it make a difference whether they're married or not married legally in terms of the no, dynamic? I mean, of course, society doesn't recognize that as a, a right. legal marriage. So, I mean, from a tax purposes, I was always like the third person. But yeah. there's legal ways around it. Like if there's a way to make money off something, people figure it out. So right. like you can enter into a trust together and all your money goes in the trust and then you can divide that up for taxes and all that kind right. of stuff. Like there's ways to do it. Uh, but legally, no. Like it, marriage and spousal benefits and right. all that kind of stuff, it was, it, you know, it was good. But they had it. Correct. Right. So, so that was always kind so of... So whatever that security that comes with being married... Some people in the triad have it, and mm-hmm. somebody somebody doesn't. Mm-hmm. And does that make a difference? Well, again, for me, like that kind of stuff doesn't matter to me. Right. Like I don't need a piece of paper to tell me that you love me. Um, right. But for some people, it does. Right. And, and that's matched, why. It and that's where you were. People. That dynamic worked for you, was fine with you, but it might be more difficult for other people. Exactly. I feel less safe. Exactly. Yeah. And even though, like, like, okay, well, one partner has life in, or health insurance with his job. Yeah. Like, who gets the health insurance? Right. Like, <laughs> People need that stuff. Yeah. So it can get a little complicated in that respect. But again, like, your bills are cut three ways. Yeah. You know, your rent's cut three ways. So, That's right. Like, and life is trade offs in some ways. What was Christmas morning like in a, in a triad? Hmm. Christmas morning was fun. I uh, we had some really good. I have some pictures from back on Christmas morning. That was a really great year. We had one Christmas. It feels together. more festive with three yeah. on Christmas. Well, it immediately feels like a family, especially we had do- we had dogs too. So right. it's like you know the whole family comes together and we go to the tree and then we get the Christmas presents out from under the tree and it feels more like a family than a, a traditional just a solo couple. I think and it's never. In any situation, it's never trying to convince your partner to go do something. It's like, let's go on an adventure together. So if you're going out, let's let's go to the bar. Let's go do something. It's a right. team thing. It's never like the individual, like begging the other individual. Yeah, that's interesting. I was wondering, why do I want to ask about Christmas? Like, I, I wanted to. And I think it's because it's that feeling of, a, like, a family. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of gay people long for that. Well, and that's um, a, a lot of what I've searched for in my life. I spent... Most of my youth, like many gay men, uh, always trying to be something for my family to be approved by them, you know, knowing that I was gay. And then when I came out, I lost them. Right. So a lot of my work and a lot of what is the stories that I tell speak to surrogate families and how gay men in general or anybody in the LGBT community is really just looking for a family. Right. right? And I think that's why those kind of relationships speak to me in some ways is because it, you, it is a family. Right. Um, you have the dynamics of that where different people take on different roles and it's not just you and one other person. It, it can be a multitude of different emotional and personality types that connect together. Yeah. And I think there's a real appeal to that. Um, let's talk about how you got it made and how you got it on, on Deku. Sure. Um, did, did you pitch it to this platform and they said, yes, we like this pilot, go make, go make your whole series or how did it work? So we, um, 
<laughs> I one day decided we're going to make a show about three dudes who fuck each other. No. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I decided that that was, and we we started writing the scripts, and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this. I'm going to prove that I can make it. Yeah, this and is so going to exist. Is, I've had those things where it's here. like, I'm gonna. This is going to exist one way or the other. And I I went out to people and never done it before in my life. It's it called up called up people who've been along my journey and said, Hey, like you've watched me grow. You know I'm going to move forward. You know. Put your money where your mouth is and believe in me and give me some money to help make this thing happen. Right. So I, I privately raised money. Right. Uh, we shot the pilot. Right. Uh, we shopped it around a bunch of places. Got amazing feedback. People were like, we absolutely love it. What else have you done? And we're like, oh, we haven't really done a lot. Like right. I work as a director of photography and my business partner directs short films. But, you know, right. we're, not, we're not really anywhere. And um, God, I hate that. What else you got? I know. And, I mean, <laughs> and, I just busted my ass over this fucking thing for years. What else you got? Exactly. Anyway, it took us a year just to from initial. Well, September was initial. Like, let's let's make this thing, and then we shot the pilot in May. So it was about a year by the time we were done with the pilot. Right. Um. And we got into a, a television festival up in Vermont. We went nice. up there. We pitched a bunch of places. Everybody loved the idea. Um. But it was a matter of finding the money. And so we talked to a bunch of different places saying, hey, like, what will you do? Deku actually believed in the project and gave us a, gave us funds in order to finish the season. We figured out how to make it work, and so we, we shot it. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Because a lot of things, people find the money themselves and then eventually sell it to the platform or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they jumped on board after the pilot, mm-hmm. and you made it happen. Um, Palm Springs, I'm a big fan of Palm Springs. I love it. Love and I love the photography of Palm Springs. You got some... Um, drone shots happening <laughs> and it was like I've never seen it depicted this lovely oh, I was trying to think of other things that have been sat, shot there and um, th- so I love the the thing of Palm Springs but what I find is in- interesting about Palm Springs is that and you spent time out there because you were seeing somebody out there years, seeing, yeah. yeah is that somebody that I know that's like around my age moved out there and he said it's strange because people are either work in the service culture for the hotels and things like that or they're rich and don't do any don't work Mm -hmm. and so it's like but your characters are sort of in their prime working time um and i know the david character for sure was an architect or Mm -hmm. a designer yeah so what's it what was it like for you to live out there part-time because it feels like a resort place it feels like this is where i go to relax um so yeah, uh, Palm Springs is. I mean, the whole show. I wanted to make a love letter to Palm Springs when right. I when I got into. I love the, it out there. I love it. When I got into the Triad, I moved out there, and I just moved back a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Um, R- right now, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just moved in here. Welcome back. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I I spent almost three years of my life in Palm Springs, and right. I love that city. It's the gayest place on earth. Fifty three percent gay. Fifty three percent. Fifty three percent. The whole city council is LGBT. Wow, um, it's a, it's it's par- it's gay paradise. But and, but if you're young and hungry and moving and shaking and making things happen, is that a place to? Can you do that stuff there? Are you like you know what? I'm just gonna hang by the pool and have a Coke Zero. Well, I moved back here for a reason. Exactly. Um, I'm asking all of these things because I'm thinking, what if I just shucked it all and went and lived in Palm Springs? I did it for three years. It's amazing. You'll love it, but then you'll want to come. But back. then you'll be done until you're, you know. If you're retiring or if you can work from home and you have a very stable job, it's an incredible place to live. Right. And I, over the past three years, really grew up a lot as an adult there. And I had an amazing community of people where I was clearly younger than most of the people there. Right. Um, 
Um, and so I had a lot of <laughs> parents in a way, <laughs> I like dads, and uh, they they were really great in helping me grow into the man I am today. Yeah. And so I it it, it holds a very special place in my heart. Where were your hangouts? Oh God, arenas. Right on. Uh, you know, hunt, anything on arenas, hunters, anything. hunters, eagle, black right. book, all those places. Yeah. You know, quads, chill. I don't want to leave anybody else. Street bar. <laughs> Street bar. Yeah. <laughs> all those. Musical great Mondays places. was that your jam? Uh, no, not I, so much. No, musical Mondays, but I would. They would I'd no, no, it was, like, it was Fridays. It was like whatever well, bar would play the show tunes on Fridays. Oh yeah, and quads. Yeah, so quads, quads on Friday. So the, here's the general plan. If okay. you've never been to Palm Springs, because my the friends and I, plan. when we rent a house down there, we do have our thing. We go to Wangs on Friday, and we do da 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 da. Yeah. So. so you either do Wangs or uh, Hunters at five. Okay. Hun- at Hunters they have Fur Friday, and Wangs it's a group as well. And at Hunters they're two dollar drinks from five to seven. After nice. that, people either go to dinner right. or they go they go to street bar, and right. then you get Rocket Fuel, which is literally like what color do you want your liquor? Right. And then you move on to Quads, which is where they have all the show tunes. And right. So they play all movies and musicals and all that. People kind of throw stuff. napkins and exactly. waste paper. Yeah, you have yeah. been. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then two cans is can be fun. Two cans can be fun too. Yeah. 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 Um, so how would you work when you were out there? Would you just come in and do different projects to LA? Like, how did you manage it? I can drive the I-10 blindfolded at this point. Really? So, yeah, I would, I would drive back and forth constantly. I, I rented a, a room from a friend while, uh, when I was out of town. So I'd be staying in WeHo for two days and then back to Palm Springs for a day and a half and then back to WeHo and then blah, blah, blah. And it was just, oh, it was exhausting. You kept it all going. Yeah. Um, going back to the show, how did you find your actors? I thought they were all really good, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I thought um, the we did a really general good. casting for um, Carl and Jason and David. Carl and Jason came very quickly. We found uh, Sean McBride, who plays Jason, and Corey Page. Jason is the youngest, the, the third, the yes. third, right? And then Corey Page plays uh, Carl. He's the guy with the Australian, Australian accent. Australian accent. He's yeah. Australian in real life. Yes. Okay. In fact, he came in and did a, a an English, an American accent. Uh, in the audition, and then in between, he started talking to us, and it was in Australian. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what is no, that? No, no, no. We that like up. that. We, we want like that. that. Pi- yeah, roll that Australian <laughs> accent right into this project. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, but we always struggled finding David, right. and uh, we we talked to a bunch of different people, and finally we found Ryland Shelton, who plays David, and we got them in a room together, and the chemistry was just yeah amazing. They just worked really well, and I mean, without that, the yeah. show wouldn't work. Um, the show has, is very sexy and, and sensual and stuff, but it's not super explicit. How did you decide how far to go in that? In it's that interesting. Res- in that um, respect. Well, when I set out to make the show, I wanted to make a show that your mom in Missouri, in middle America, could, right. could watch, who doesn't, in her mind, know any gay people, right. and somehow connect to these people. And in order to do that, I wanted to be able to, one, not assume anything about these people, the characters, and also like be able to dive right in. We're not going to apologize that they're gay like a lot of things do. We're not going to apologize that they're in this throuple or try to explain it or do all this. It just is, right? And you as an audience member have to figure out what's going on. Right. Um, And so because I wanted it to be a way to spread empathy about what a polyamorous relationship is and what a triad is and gay relationships in general and that there's more to people than sex... We specifically didn't focus on sex in the show, right? Um, and yeah, there's sexiness in the show, but it's not it's not the driving factor, right? I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of this is this is my little soapbox moment, but um, gay content and Christian content have a lot in common because they both speak to their audiences. 
And so when you're speaking to a crowd of people that all say yes, you're going to give that crowd exactly what they want, but nobody else can relate to it. That's right. why you see these Christian movies that everybody says is, oh, wow, it's amazing. And you go see it, and you're like, it doesn't work. Yeah, I don't need that kind of camera bullshit yeah. in my life. Exactly. I don't right. even know that the devil's a bad guy. Like, we right. get it. Right? And I think gay content does, too, in that they know, okay, sex sells in the gay community. Right. For a long time, it was this. They want to feel good about themselves, and they want to see cock. Exactly. And it's kind of like, and so, um, they, and if you don't do one or the other, if you don't do them both, you're going to hear about it. But you I know. think we as a gay people have evolved beyond I think so. That. There's deeper conversations to be had. There's more than just the white gay guy who has sex with people. Like, yeah. that's that's done. Like, now it's time to move on. What is, what is it about the gay community that we can identify besides sex? Because that's a very yeah. shallow and shaky ground to build a, build a community on. Right. There's a lot more depth to it. We're people. We have emotions and feelings and, you know, love and pain and heartbreak and happiness and all these kind of things that make us who we are. And... Unless we're showing those kind of stories to the general public, they're not going to know that. Right. Because they, what they get as a gay person is glee, right? Yeah. And that's all they know is what a gay person is, right? Right. And so the only way they're going to understand at a deeper level is if we show them a deeper level. Yeah. And that was kind of my point. I remember when Queer as Folk was, was on, they had a lot of women loved it. Mm-hmm. And not just lesbians for the lesbian story. Straight women loved it, too. And I could see them getting into this show as well. Have you gotten any feedback from people yet? I know it's just starting to air soon, but even friends that you've shown it to? Absolutely. Um, well, we had a great opportunity um, in Palm Springs. We did a, a test screening before we ever sent the, the whole sh- Of the whole thing. It was the rough cut, but it was like yeah. 95% done. Yeah. Um, and we had a, a crowd of like 350 men and women from Palm Springs. So it was this great, like actual audience that would watch the show yeah. got great feedback from people um and, and everybody seemed to love it they really really enjoyed it yeah when you live in palm springs who are the palm Springs celebrities that you see do you see manilow a lot do you just no. does suzanne summers ever pop up they all kind of like hide away they in hide homes. awake in their their homes it used to be you'd like see people walking around a bunch apparently. at the mary pickford but, yeah exactly yeah but now it's no they just live there i have a mexican restaurant that i love out there that's a little secret discovery on yelp that I eat there every time I go there, and maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't. La Tablita. I love La Tablita. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's right by where I, I live. I Okay, so I didn't actually live in, in uh, Palm Springs. I lived in Cathedral City. Right. Marijuana is... capital of the world. Really? Yeah. Who knew? They have the largest indoor marijuana growing space in the entire world, I think. Wow. Yeah, they're getting that tax money. But there anyway, La Tablita is right down so the road from good. where I used to live. In, every time we the go curve. there, we go there. It's the best. Oh, so Which gym did you go to? Uh, in Shape. Over, in shape. Yeah, it's over on Date Palm. Yeah, I don't know that one. No, it's I not, used to it's go not to like gym, World, I think, and yeah, take the yoga classes everybody goes and all to stuff. World. Did you ever go to free outdoor yoga in the park on no. Saturday mornings? No. I liked it. Leaf Hardy Park. You're looking at the cactuses, doing your thing. I love. <laughs> I want to go to Palm Springs. I love it so much. But I also worry that if I were there too much, I wouldn't love it anymore. No, I, I would say if, if you do enjoy it, you'd love it even more. You'd love it even more. It's waking up in paradise every single day. Right. I mean, sure, there's a month in the summer where you don't really go outside. But right. I always equate that to Boston. It's like, you know, you live in Boston, you have to shovel snow for six months. Well, yeah. here you just have to turn on your AC. Yeah, so, I love it. And then the snowbirds go away in the summer. And, you know, it's, you can get anywhere really quick. You can go to any restaurant and it's cheaper. And, you know, there's perks. I love it. So it's interesting watching this show because... It's about a relationship, but a lot of times in romantic stories, you want the couple to make it. Mm-hmm. So in this, in this, it's interesting. Do you want the three of them to make it, or 
do you do you see it's it's a really interesting viewing experience i guess what i'm trying to say from a from a romance point of view um and do you think about sustaining uh, uh, you know say there's going to be another season would it be the same three guys trying it you know trying to make it work and and you leave it a little open ended in that way how do you, how do you approach something that seems to have an expiration date perhaps mm-hmm. And keep an ongoing story going. Interesting. Do you know um, what I'm saying? No, I do understand. In other words, this story feels like it might be really suited to a feature because they go through the thing and then it's then they you know maybe or do they, they or do they? I, I, you know what I'm trying. I, you know what I'm getting at. I guess. No, I, I take it as a compliment because we wanted to have deep characters that you know they are flawed, right? So you right. don't really you kind of like everybody, but you. you don't like certain things about them. Um, There's and, no good guys and bad guys. Exactly. They're just they're just people. Yeah. And so, not to give anything away, but the end of the season ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, and I, yes, you're absolutely right. You could easily see this as a feature to where it's like an open right and close. It's 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 the story of the young guy, and I had this crazy experience that happened, and it changed me. It's like a coming of age kind of thing. But what if it didn't end? I know that's the thing. And I feel like we spend a lot of time in season one um, building up. Like explaining a lot of things, frankly, right. and establishing the relationship in general. So the nice thing about season two is that's all set, and now we can yeah. actually deep dive into expanding the world and expanding these people. Have you thought about it? Have they talked about it? Is, is Deku interested? And how is that? Where are we at with that? Um, I say we not quite clearly sure. integral uh, to this course, process. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure to be honest. Uh, we have all of season. Season two is completely outlined, ready to go. Yeah, uh, they're extremely interested in season two, but I think they're going to wait and see how season one does first. Yeah, and Deku is its own platform, or is it connected mm-hmm. to another thing? No, Deku is its own streaming platform. D e k k o o dot com. Uh, they're an LGBT streaming platform. I don't know their numbers, but they're worldwide, and they uh, yeah, they're they've been really good to us. And awesome. They're they they have a distribution partner from back. Remember remember those things called DVDs? Yeah, vaguely. Okay. Well, yeah. there was a company that did those, and then they realized streaming's the future, and so they created Deku. I so. got it. So I didn't realize they were LGBT. Mm-hmm. How were they to collaborate with? Did they give you feedback on scripts, or were they like, "Go do your thing"? They were extremely open ended and literally said, "Hey, we like your pilot. We read yeah. your scripts. We like it. Like, here's the money. Go run. Go yeah. run with it." And they, <laughs> much to their credit, like we returned something they were really happy with. There so. you go. Um, sometimes you, with things like this, you you have to be very scrappy. What are some of the like things that you saved that the, you did that were that managed to make your money go a long way? You were like, oh, we were able to shoot four different locations in this one, you know, whatever. Well, in, in any low budget, um, you know, having a main location really helps, right? Yeah, that was my house, so that uh, helps. Your house too. in Palm Springs, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think uh, everybody on the team, we all came up together, and so we we came from the world of like, oh, we don't have money to do that. How do we right. make it? So low budget filmmaking has been our lives. Yeah. And so now we just apply it on a grander scale to where like we know what is needed and know how to put that money to the screen. So yeah, yeah. you just get scrappy with certain things. Like no, I don't need a script supervisor. Like we know the scripts and we're just really aware of that. Right. Not that on a bigger project you wouldn't need a script supervisor, but you you know what I'm saying. Right. You're, you're able to like wear different hats and, and kind of uh, still have that let's put on a show kind of feeling. Absolutely. And um, I feel like if you, uh, from a creative standpoint, I'm a huge advocate that your crew matters. And like the actual, like I'm glad that there's a show that exists, but for me, the biggest joy I have is creating the show. Mm-hmm. And I can look back on that with fond memories of like that experience when we're on set making the thing. Right. And so I always feel if you're in a low budget world with creatives, 
take care of your crew, let them know that they matter and that you respect them and that they're sacrificing for you. And that goes a long way. And yeah. feed people. Feed, feed people. people. Yes. Feed them well. And then yeah. they'll be happy. Yeah. I love it. Um, when you're not creating the show, what do you, you, you work in the industry, but mm-hmm. what, in, in what capacity? Yeah. So I own a production company called Birds of the Divine Media. Right. Um, obviously the third is one of our shows, but we, right. we do other features and shorts and stuff. Um, my partners and I, we are all directors at this point. And so I have uh, a new show that I'm pitching out right now. And then I have a feature that I'm currently getting funding for called uh, Legacy. Nice. Um, which is also set in Palm Springs. There you go. Um, but it's got some cast attached and I'm signed on to direct. So Good. Yeah, that's what is we're doing. Is it LGBT? Yeah, it is. It's about a an actor in 19... Uh, I'm going to mess up the log line. But an actor in 1950s Hollywood who's in the closet who's rising in fame. And has to deal with the the balance of being in the closet, but still wanting to be a very successful actor. Right. So if you ever saw the movie Revolutionary Road with Kate Winslet, and yeah, Mar- imagine that, but gayer. Wow, so. that's intense. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, you, and you worked with Brian Jordan Alvarez. I saw he I was did. a past podcast guest. I'm such a oh, fan really? of his. Yeah. Yeah, Brian's a great guy. Did you work on what? Did you work on? Yeah. With well, uh, Caleb. Gallo. Caleb Gallo. Yeah, Wondrous Life of Caleb Gallo. We shot that together. It's um, amazing. Thank you. It's so good. That actually, if I had never done that show, we wouldn't have made the third. Yeah. Because I came on to that, and it was just Brian is like we we ran into each other on the street in L.A. I hadn't seen him since high school because we went to some summer camp together. You knew each other from way back. Yeah. And so I was just like, hey, Brian, how are you? He's like, oh, hey, like you're a DP. Like, let's shoot something. So we shot the pilot of Caleb Gallo. And then I literally watched somebody go from, you know, struggling to survive actor to like having deals with all these companies and all this kind of stuff. And I I watched that process as we were shooting it and making it. And I was like, I can reiterate this. Right. And which is what we did. Yeah. So, yeah, but Brian is an amazing guy. He's incredibly creative. And so talented. talented. That show mm-hmm. turned out so good. And that show and your show both look great. Thank you. And I think if they look great, it's very refreshing in the LGBT space. Because you know there's never a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And if they can make it a little go a long way and make something look wonderful. Really, it comes um, down to planning. You know, yeah. you can do a lot. You can overcome a lot of money issues if you just spend the time planning. And that's, yeah. that's the big part of it. Nice. How does it feel to be back in L.A.? <sighs> like a breath of fresh air. Really? Yeah. In a good way? Yeah, I wish I'd done it. Well, minus the smog. But, right. you know, <laughs> I wish I'd done it a while back. Yeah. So when the triad ended, the most recent one, did you stay in the same place or did you move out to your own place? So one person of the triad moved on. Oh, okay. And so we sat there and we're like, well, um, didn't really planned on being together, but right. do you want to like, try this? It's like a stool now with two legs. Yeah, so we we tried it and we gave it a good two and a half year run, but we yeah. decided that, you know, time to move back to L.A. Time to move back to L.A. and here you are. Yeah. Can you get as heartbroken in a triad as you can? I think you can. Oh, God, yeah. There's so much, like... You can get completely heartbroken. You can, right? Just like in any other relationship. I don't want to make it sound terrible, but right. um, Yeah, I mean, two people can break your heart. Yeah, instead of one. Mm -hmm. Shit, that's a lot. (laughs) Okay, you pick some questions from the observation deck. Okay, if you had to change careers tomorrow, what would you pursue? I'd be a linguist. I love languages. If I won the lottery, I'd travel the world learning languages. That's what I do. So, yeah. My new thing that I want to do is go to Mexico and do an immersion course because I had a friend that did it. Oh, Um, cool. Like several weeks and it was not expensive and 
really helped. It's the best way to learn. Yeah. Yeah, just to understand the world from a different <clears throat> language. Like, yeah. It just would be fascinating. Do you speak any now other languages? Uh, je ne peux pas français. No, I don't speak any language. That, that fooled me. All right. <laughs> What's your, your go-to karaoke song? Uh, Walking in Memphis by Mark Kahn. Oh, right. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Cher covered it. You yeah. can cover it. I just need a few drinks in me and some Th- that's know, a good duties one. and I'm good to go. There you go. What job were you the most excited to learn that you got? Um, so in college, everybody said, you should work in radio. You have a radio voice. So right. I, I, I said that before we started. And I, I called up a radio station in town. They're like, okay, yeah, uh, we need an intern. And I worked in a, an intern for six months. And then they hired me as the morning DJ. So that was a pretty great year of my life. What kind of music were you playing? Or was it mostly talk? You're home for today's Christian music. Amazing. <laughs> so when you think of morning DJs, you think of wackiness, right? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you're on a Christian. What was your vibe? What was what was your personality like on the radio? I was just the young, cute kid who's on the radio that you hear his voice yeah. and he plays music for you. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> but you didn't feel like you had to be something other than you were. No, no, no. I mean, they had a, I mean, they, it was a Christian radio station, so they had like an agenda that they were trying to accomplish. And so yeah. you, you got on, you talked about what was going on from a Christian perspective. And I was just kind of the bumbling young music minister. Cause I worked at a church as right. a music minister at the time. And that was kind of my little story. I was just worked in the radio station. And then I worked at a church when you would do like station IDs or whatever. How would, what would you say? Uh, and how would you say? Oh that? God. Uh, I can't remember the call letters, but it was right. like, you're home for today's Christian music. Power 88. There you go. I'm in. I want to convert now. I want to convert. <laughs> I want to go. That's awesome. Okay. What was the first album, CD, cassette, or MP3 you ever bought? Celine Dion. Uh, the one from 1991 that has the... Uh, Where does uh, my heart beat now? Is it that one? Or is it the... Um, it's the 25 minute long song. You know, there were nights when the wind was so cold. Oh, it's all coming uh, back to me. It's now. all coming back to me now. So it's falling like, into you. Yes. I was like yes. six years old, and my parents cemented my homosexuality by buying that for me and the Lion King soundtrack. That was my You think Christmas the Lion presents. King made you gay? Actually, you know, Simple was kind of cute. That's just, when you think of it. Oh, that's a good, that's good Celine. And you were six? I would when just that came go to, I would sleep with that album on. Oh, I thought you were literally sleep with the album. No, no, no it's I would so play good. And fall I like too. falling into you. It's a good song. Yeah, Celine. I, she's coming on tour. I just, I, I love her. I love. Is she her. still in Vegas? I think she wrapped it up in Vegas, and she's getting ready to do a world tour. I know she's giving till it hurts. Mm. I love when she's corny. I love when she tells girlfriend <laughs> jokes, but also she dances a lot. And she's nice. I got to interview her once for Cosmopolitan. It was, oh, wow. It was a highlight. It was right around the time of Titanic. Wow. Yeah, I was in the middle of Selena, uh, the Selena Sance. And it the Selena Sance. It was no joke. <laughs> um, what's your favorite waste of time? Oh, God. Uh, my favorite waste of time. Um, it's funny because I, I picked out that card and I don't remember yeah. what my favorite waste of time is. Um, I really enjoy... Um... Wow. I'm really... I, what do I do? I don't I know. make movies. That's what there I you do. Go. That's my favorite waste of time is to lament not making more movies, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I really enjoy gay culture. I think gay culture is a, an amazing thing. I love going to bars. I love getting involved with all the gay events and stuff. Pride's coming up. Getting involved with that kind of stuff has always really been really great for me. I love dancing. I love going out and having fun. That's just kind of my thing. You know? I love it. You sit, at a, you sit at a desk all day. You got to go live. Yeah. Where's your hangout in L.A.? 
I don't have one yet. You don't have one yet? Mm-mm. It's a work in progress. Faultline is doing 80s night this Saturday, and my friend's DJ, and it's my favorite. When they do 80s night, it's amazing. You probably were too young to appreciate 80s night. I appreciate 80s But it's a super fun hang. That's um, cool. Yeah, my friends Mark and Jason. At Faultline? Yeah, on Saturday. On Saturday it's called Gag Me With The 80s. They do it every once in a while. Um, so I might I might check that out on Saturday night. Um, anything else about the show that you want to share, or uh, anything else that you wish... Uh, people would ask you about or hmm people would ask you about uh my blood type no i'm kidding yeah uh dad jokes but uh no i'm just i'm I'm really it's it's a real surreal experience to be here at this point it's been three years in the process of making season one hopefully season two doesn't take that long uh but uh it's just been if anything you can tell you that if you want to make something you you can make it yeah i am proof that you can do it like there's nothing stopping you i started with nothing and you know built up to where i am and if you are creative and you feel like that's something you can do or you want to do then go do it and if you fail go do it again but don't you also believe and i believe this but sometimes i feel like oh is this helping me to believe this that the 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 joy of the engagement of doing it is part of the reward of it absolutely um sometimes i wonder that i enjoy it so much that i don't that i don't need to be paid or i don't need to in other words that I'm giving it away in a way and just in some sort of spiritual sense or something but yeah but the reality of it is if you want to make great art and you want to like reach people it takes money and you have to have the time in order to go make it which takes money yeah your bills have to be paid so there is a balance that's the big theme of this podcast is how do we we balance those those things oh yeah no I mean there's been crazy shit I've done like where I sold my car to have some extra money to make it through the shooting of the show like like don't don't do stuff like I do right (laughs) like but yeah I mean if you're creative like i just i get panic attacks if i go into like a regular nine to five job just because i'm like i go down this tunnel vision rabbit hole of like oh my god i'm gonna be here until i'm 55 and right which is there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you like right so i'm kind of bound by being a creative like it's what i have to do my brain is not happy if i'm not doing it have you done those other jobs i have i have my last job my, my my last real job was eight years ago go yeah I think. and i've been a freelancing creative ever since i right. mean i'll do whatever i'll clean toilets if i have to but i mean it's like i just i just have to make shit yeah what was that job <laughs> just an office job um yeah i was like f- f- helping do paperwork for a design firm it lasted about three months yeah i graduated from film school and was like i'm not sure where i'm going next and so i made it three months and then i said i can't do this where did you go to film school um so I went to, I was in my mid-twenties, I was like, okay, I'm starting over, got to figure this out. So I went to Full Sail University in Orlando. It's a nice. for-profit school. Yeah. Um, would never recommend it to anybody, but it got me what I needed, and yeah. so I got out of it. Uh, and then I went to AFI out here. Yeah. I always think, I always wish that I had gone to film school, and I, but I think what I envy about it, when I, especially when I interview people that have done it, is the the people that you meet because you sort of become each other's crew and each other's cheerleaders and you kind of move through the business together in a way. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, feel like that's true? I met my business partner who's been my best friend for eight years now. Nice. Um, but I would say out of my entire class, I think the thing, I mean, not to go on a tangent, but I think the thing that bugs me about those for-profit schools is like I had a class of 62 people. I'm the only person working full-time in the film industry. Wow. So, like, you, that's a lot of people who put a lot of money into that, you yeah. know, to not work in the film industry. 
Right. But yeah, you you do meet those kind of people uh, that you you do find the diamonds in the rough. Like my business partner, who's been my you know my rock for years to get right. us to where we are. I would not be here without him. Right. And so, was he out there on Palm Springs during the? Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, pretty much everything that I've done through my company was with him. He directed yeah. most all of it. So nice. And he's my writing partner. He's just he's great. All of it. Mm-hmm. Well, tell people how they can find uh, Deku and anything else they need to know logistically about finding the show. Absolutely. So Deku.com, D-E-K-K-O-O.com. Uh, you can find the show The Third. Right. I believe it's all releasing this Thursday, October 24th. It's a binge thing. Yes. It goes fast. Yeah. It's only about two, a little over two hours of content. So oh, if you yeah. binge it, you can be done. Yeah. And then I think you also, if you're on Amazon Prime, you can subscribe on there as well. So right. That's the right, that's what I was trying to get at earlier. Is I feel like, is there, there's some kind of Amazon. Yeah. You can sign up for it on Amazon Prime. I, I see. So awesome. They're one of their affiliate things there you go it's one of their their affiliate programs do you have any social media anything like that uh for the show no uh yeah. nothing in particular deku's handling all that but right. deku uh has a uh an instagram account and, yeah uh, yeah there you go advertising stuff um last question sure what has this journey with the show meant to you in your life god you're asking me at a really interesting time yeah. uh i just moved back to la um You can you can do whatever you want in life, but you're going to give up time and energy and sacrifice a lot of things to make it happen. Yeah, and um, and I think I relate to that as well. And then the question I ask after that is: Is it worth it? Was it worth it? And uh, and I don't know the answer to that, but I do ask myself that question sometimes. Yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, we're gonna leave it there. Awesome. It was fun talking to you. Welcome back to LA. Thank you. Good luck with the with the show. And um, I look forward to season two. Maybe it'll be six people. Right? <laughs> a quintuplet. That, that would be the thing that happened in like season five when they're like, I think we're what are we what the fuck are we gonna do? I don't know. Uh, well let's make maybe two triads. Anyway, awesome. All An right. Open polyamorous quintuplet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thirteen episodes. I'll I'll I'd love it. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Matthew Lynn for doing the podcast. Check out his show, The Third, on Deku. Um, Speaking of Deku, me and my friend Danny have an ongoing joke where what we've done is created a streaming platform out of thin air. We call it Sporkle. And when we are out in public, we have conversations about shows that we're watching on Sporkle because we're trying to convince people that it actually exists and that they're missing out and that they really need to get Sporkle uh, because it's only $5.99 a month. But they have really great shows. There was a, a real estate show on there that I loved, uh, 13 episodes on Sporkle. You should really get it. But Deku sounds like Sporkle, but only it's real. So, again, art imitates life, imitates art. All right, so this happened. Um, I saw Little Shop of Horrors last week at the Pasadena Playhouse with MJ Rodriguez uh, as uh, Audrey and George Salazar as... Seymour, I have to say, I really enjoyed the performances. I wasn't nuts about the plant. Um, and I love Amber Riley from Glee Sings the Plant. And she came out at the end for the curtain call. I don't even know if she showered that day. I mean, she was literally in shirt, sh- sh- a t-shirt and shorts. I don't know if she had any lip gloss on, anything. She's like, I'm in the back singing. I'm just going to come out and bow. Um, but that was fun. Um, loved the performances, though. And... Uh, Worth seeing, but not nuts about the plant. Um, I also saw a movie called Honey Boy, 
which is written by Shia LaBeouf, and uh, he plays his own father in it. It's based on his childhood as a child actor on a, a Disney show. I think it was called Even Stevens. And uh, his dad was his chaperone during that time. And in the movie, they're staying in this cheap hotel, which is this uh, very popular film set out here called The Pink Hotel. Uh, I had a short film that I made in 2008 called Reunion, and we shot at The Pink Hotel. So I always see it um, being used on TV shows and in movies. It was on um, uh, Glow this season, used The Pink Hotel. So anyway... The point is, all the great artists use the Pink Hotel. Um, but afterwards, there was a Q&A, and Shia was there. And I was really um, moved by the movie. It's really well done, and uh, he was interesting to hear talk about it, um, what he was sort of went through, and I don't know. It was, it was kind of um, inspiring, because he was somebody that was really down and out. He'd gotten in all kinds of trouble, burned all kinds of bridges, and he's sort of found, finding his way through it and it's uh, creating interesting art. He's got that other movie, The Peanut Butter Falcon, that's been doing really well as an indie. And it was just inspiring and, and that you can turn things around and, um, and make something great. Uh, so keep an eye out for Honey Boy. And I also saw the Almodovar movie, Pain and Glory, and I loved it. I thought it was very moving. So we're into the fall movie season, which I'm totally into. All right, that's enough for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.